Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome to It's a Crime, I'm Linda, and today we're going to be talking about the affidavit that was released of Tisha Stouck on April 2nd. And instead of reading the entire thing out loud, I'm going to put a link below, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to extract parts of it and then dive deeper. I did a poll earlier today, and over 1,200 of you really wanted the deep dive. So here it is. So this will be part one of many videos that I'm going to do a deep dive on. But before we get started, I just want to say thank you so much for supporting It's a Crime. We've hit 46,000 subscribers today and our family is growing. If you're new to the It's a Crime community and you'd like to be part of it, please click that subscribe button below and click that notification bell so you can be notified of my next upcoming videos because there's going to be a heck of a lot of them. Don't forget to click the like button in support of our little buddy Gannon and click that share button and share it out where you can. With that being said, let's get into it. Houston, we have a problem. I spent five hours last night going through this affidavit and I read through it twice. Tried to get some sleep and then all day I've been diving deep into it. I have been saying since the beginning of these videos that this is going to not be good news when we hear it. And I think this affidavit is not so great news. I also think that it's going to be worse. A lot worse and keep in mind in this affidavit that was released it was actually submitted February 28th so this is two and a half weeks before Gannon was even found and the affidavit was written and submitted by Jessica Bethel who is a detective at the El Paso County Sheriff's Office so today I'm going to focus in on just one part of the affidavit and it's one part of many, like I mentioned. And what I want to focus today is on the theory that they said that they believe that Gannon came home that afternoon. And here's the statement. In the section that says the murder of Gannon Stouck, number 24, the following section will outline what investigators have learned about Letitia's activity on January 27, 2020, and outline the period when Gannon was likely murdered. Some of the information contained in this section will be repeated in other portions of this affidavit or discussed later in more detail. Additionally, there are evidence sources that are mentioned here but not fully defined in other sections. Number 25, investigators believe that Gannon was murdered by Letitia Stoke in the afternoon hours after approximately 2.14 on January 27, 2020 at his residence and more specifically in his bedroom. Physical evidence recovered from the residence and inside Gannon's bedroom supports that a violent event occurred in his bedroom, which caused bloodshed, including blood splatter on the walls and enough blood loss to stain his mattress, soak through the carpet, the carpet pad, and stain the concrete below his bed. Some photographs of this evidence are included below. Number 26, based on evidence recovered from the residents, Gannon's remains were eventually brought through the house into the garage and likely loaded into the back of Letitia's Volkswagen Tiguan. 
After cleaning the murder scene, Letitia utilized the Tiguan to transport and dump Gannon's remains on the evening of January 28, 2020. Letitia likely disposed of his remains off Highway 105 South Perry Park Road in Douglas County, Colorado. Indeed, the Metro Crime Laboratory determined the, that blood discovered in Gannon's bedroom, the Stokes Garage, and blood on a piece of particle board located off Highway 105 South Perry Park Road all matched his DNA profile. So to quickly recap these three points, in point 24, it talks about they believe Gannon died on the 27th of January. In point 25, investigators believe that he died in the afternoon after 2.14 p.m. when they got home together and that a violent event occurred in Gannon's bedroom. And in point 26, they believe that his remains were brought through the house and then into the garage and likely loaded Gannon into the back of Letitia's Volkswagen. And they said she cleaned the scene and used the car to transport and dump Gannon's remains the next night on January 28th and likely disposed of his remains off Highway 105 and South Perry Park Road in Douglas County. And they said that the blood was in the bedroom, garage, and the blood on a piece of particle board that was found in Douglas County all matched Gannon's DNA. Right away, this begs the question, or actually a few questions. Why do authorities think that Gannon came home with Tisha that afternoon? Is it because of Tisha's car? Is it because it makes it later in the day for her to murder him because they did see him on camera earlier? These things do not make sense to me right now and maybe because it's so fresh, but I will talk a little bit about my points, why this is even more of a head scratcher. Now, if he did come home that afternoon with Tisha and if Gannon was murdered in that afternoon, of January 27th in their home, where did she keep his body until the next evening on January 28th, right? Why isn't there surveillance of him coming out of that vehicle? And Tisha reported Gannon as a runaway at 6.55 p.m. on Monday night. So officers were in that home that evening on the 27th. And if she did move him from the house to the car. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Wouldn't that search also have included the vehicles? I mean, if somebody's playing even hide and seek or just wanted to hide for a bit, a car would be a pretty good spot, so would a trunk, right? Where would she have hid him during this whole 30-hour period where they're saying that she didn't dispose of him until the next night? Was she storing Gannon at the back of the Tiguan and they didn't even look? Or was she storing Gannon that next morning in her Tiguan at the airport? I'm going to get into the cars in a future video, for sure. 
And here's the problem. There is a very important piece of information in this document that will show the theory that maybe saying that he was home that afternoon might not be so accurate. And this situation really does have me super confused. Not saying that they're wrong, but they must know something that we don't, or I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, let's keep going and I'll show you what I mean. I'll read you this next section first. Number 31. Ultimately, investigators located video surveillance from a neighbor's surveillance camera that showed what investigators believed to be Letitia and an individual that appeared to match Gannon's physical description depart their residence in the Nissan Frontier at or about 10:16 hours on January 27, 2020. Number 32, the video camera is several homes away and does not provide images clear enough to make positive identifications of those captured in the recording. The vehicle returned at or about 14-19 hours and Letitia exited the vehicle. After viewing the video, I cannot be sure if another person exited the vehicle or not, but I submit Gannon likely did return home with Letitia that afternoon. These times corroborated by data collected from an ADT security system installed in the Stokes residence are discussed below in more detail. Number 33, based on data returned from the Stokes ADT security system, the motion detectors in the living room or basement did not register any activity from approximately 10-12 hours until Letitia and Gannon enter the home at approximately 14-22 hours. Investigators confirmed Lena to be at school and confirmed that Harley was at work. As such, investigators believe there was likely nobody else in the residence except Letitia and Gannon. Number 34, Letitia's historical cell site information, detailed information about her iPhone status, and a text message sent to Harley from Gannon's cell phone support that Letitia left her cell phone at the Stoke residence the morning of January 27, 2020. The fact Letitia left her phone at home is suspicious on its own based on her history of extensive use of the phone. So a quick recap, number 31, they're talking about the surveillance video. Most likely they're referring to Roderick Drayton's video who had video surveillance that appeared to be Letitia and Gannon leave the home and go into the Nissan Frontier at around 1016 on January 27th. Number 32, they talked about several homes away. And from what I was researching, it's around two homes from where I believe Roderick was living. So I wouldn't say several homes away, but she does say it doesn't provide images clear enough to make positive identifications. Now, Roderick has made it clear that his video has sound. So I'm curious if there was sound, whether Tisha talked to Gannon or if Gannon said anything, but he did make it clear that there was sound on his video on his security system. And then upon returning, the detective says, I cannot be sure if another person exited the vehicle or not, but I submit Gannon likely did return home with Letitia that afternoon. In number 33, they talked about the ADT security system with motion detectors in the living room and the basement, and there wasn't activity from the time Tisha and Gannon left to the time Tisha returned, or possibly Tisha and Gannon returned. Lena was at school and Harley was at work. And investigators said that 
there was likely nobody else in the home except for Letitia and Gannon. Number 34, Letitia left her cell phone home during these hours they were gone, but had Gannon's cell phone with them and Gannon's phone texted Harley's phone and they go on to mention that Tisha's phone at home is suspicious all on its own. And why would she leave her cell phone home that day if she intended on coming back with Gannon? If this is suspicious, why would that be a big deal in this affidavit, right? Weird, doesn't make sense. So on the next little bit on number 37, it talks about the text message to Harley and it said that on January 27, 2020, there was a message sent from Gannon's phone to Harley's phone that read, Tisha left phone at home. If you need her, text me. This message was sent at around 1037 hours. Number 38, investigators were able to confirm based on video surveillance footage and purchase receipts that Letitia traveled to Petco located at 5020 North Nevada Avenue, Colorado Springs, Colorado. This Petco is approximately 22 miles from the residence and is an approximate 30 minute drive based on Google map directions. The receipt shows that Letitia completed her purchase at or about 11.22. Gannon is not visible on any of the surveillance video obtained at Petco. Number 39, Letitia's whereabouts are unknown between approximately 11.22 and 13.22. At 13.22, Letitia was again captured on video surveillance, making a second purchase at the same Petco on North Nevada Avenue. Mr. Stouck sent a text message to Gannon's cell phone at or about 12.06 that read, Hey buddy, this message was unanswered until 13.21 hours. The response was, Can I play Zelda at least? Mr. Stoke replied, Not today. Number 40, a significant event occurred on Gannon's phone at or about 13.43 hours, which is prior to arriving back at the Stoke residence. There was an internet search for, Can my parent find my cell phone if it's off? I submit that this internet search was likely conducted by Letitia on Gannon's phone and not Gannon himself. Based upon the content of the search, the way the search terms are phrased, and the presence of a period in between phone and if, because she has a period in between there, and that seems to be uh, very common for Letitia to do this. They, this is very similar to the way Letitia conducted searches on her phone. So I'm gonna just give you a little mini timeline on what I just read. At 10.16, Gannon and Tisha leave the house. Roderick's video captured them on video. Tisha heads to Petco, which takes around a half an hour. At 10.37, Gannon's phone texts Harley's phone and says, Tisha left phone at home if you need her to text me. 10.45, they should be there at Petco because it takes a half an hour. 11.22 a.m., Tisha checks out at the Petco. It's noted Gannon isn't visible on any of the surveillance video from Petco. 12.06, Al sends a text to Gannon saying, hey buddy, 11.22 to 1.22, these hours are unaccounted for. And that's because I believe she went to Douglas County. You can see that in other videos that I have. But anyways, she comes back to Petco making a second purchase at 1.22 p.m. at the same Petco on North Nevada. Now, one minute before that 1.21 p.m., the response to Hey Buddy was, can I play Zelda at least? And Al replies, not today. And in my last video, remember I said that she had around a half an hour to 45 minutes by the time she leaves Petco and to get home, and there's that half an hour to 45 minutes unaccounted for because it only takes a half an hour to get there. 
So at 1.43 p.m., there's the text that was sent and asked, can my parent find my cell phone if it's off? And the pattern was mentioned that it was most likely Tisha who made that search. She then gets home at 2.19 and the detective believes or says that he's most likely with her even though they didn't see any indication that he was with her. So back to the text from Gannon to Harley. I wonder if Gannon actually called her Tisha or if he called her T because this is super important to know because in this text it's worded as Tisha and I wonder if he would have said T or Tisha. He says Tisha left phone at home if you need her to text me. Alan Landon would know probably what he would type, right? And are there texts missing in between Al's conversation to Gannon? Because he says, hey buddy, and the response that was put in here was, can I play Zelda at least? So is there more to it than that or what's going on? And would Gannon say, can I play Zelda at least, at least because why? I'm gonna continue on. Number 41, furthermore, the search turn was parent singular talking about that search. Can my parent find my phone if it's turned off? And the detective says, I submit it is reasonable that Mr. Stouk only, not Letitia, would be interested in the location of Gannon's phone and that Letitia was possibly deliberating on how or if she would dispose of Gannon's phone after she murdered him. Number 42, I conducted the Google search of can my parent find my cell phone if it's off and learned that the first answer returned in the search engine reads, the answer to your question depends on what method is being used to track your location. Gannon's phone was found at the residence. I submit that Letitia did not get rid of Gannon's phone for fear it might be traceable. Number 43, the Nissan Frontier returned to the Stouk residence at or about 1420 hours. A search warrant authorized by this court was executed on the Nissan Frontier and found no indications of blood inside the vehicle. Number 44, Letitia had been without her cell phone for hours, yet her screen was not unlocked until approximately 1445 hours, which was 25 minutes after arriving back at the residence. During that 25 minute period, there is motion activity both upstairs and downstairs on the ADT records. Number 45, Lena returned home from school around 15, 15 hours. During a recorded forensic interview with investigators, Lena stated that when she returned home, Letitia told her Gannon was asleep in her bed and that she could not see him. Letitia told Lena to go outside and play. I submit that Lena was sent outside because Gannon was likely dead and Letitia was cleaning up blood from inside the house. Number 46. At or about 15.55 hours, Mr. Stouk sent another message to Gannon's phone. Hey buddy, this message was not read until 19.40 hours. It is likely that Gannon was already murdered by Letitia at the time Mr. Stouk sent the message. Number 47, based on exterior video footage, Harley arrived at the residence in her white VW Jetta at or about 1642 hours and picked up Lena. So as a recap, number 41, it spoke of the use of the parent, not parents in that text message and how probably that Al would be interested in that, not Letitia. And they're saying that Letitia was 
probably trying to figure out if she would get rid of Gannon's phone after she murdered him. Number 42, it talks more about the search and the results of depending on what method is being used to track your location. And Gannon's phone was found at the house and the detective submitted that Letitia did not get rid of Gannon's phone from fear it might be traceable. Number 43, it says that the Nissan Frontier came back at 1420. There was no indications of blood inside the vehicle. I want to say something that is important. Nothing is said at all about where the Nissan could have been. And if you remember, I mentioned there's two hours unaccounted for and there is zero mention about GPS. Absolutely nothing, no mention through this 32-page report. I have found nothing about GPS and where else she could have gone that day. And interesting how she wanted to use Al's truck that day. Number 44 recap, Tisha didn't have her cell phone during this duration from when she left the house to when she came home. And not until 25 minutes later did she unlock the phone. And also during that 25 minutes, there is motion activity both upstairs and downstairs according to the ADT records. And I'll deep dive into a future video, but let's just do a tiny little recap here. So the screenshot that I have is of Tisha's ADT activity and it starts at 2.30 p.m. So from what we have been given. So that gives her about 10, 11 minutes before we even know what's going on. And I'm gonna put this up on the screen so you can see it. And you can see that at 2.30, the back door is set to closed. Now throughout this, the things to note, I'm just gonna group it for you so you can see there's a bunch of back doors throughout. There's living motion detector, which is the living room, the basement motion detector, which is the basement. And one thing to note on this is that in these types of motion sensors, a lot of companies, well, most of the companies will actually take an account if you have pets and they'll calibrate these motion detectors based on that. So basically what is happening here on this screenshot, it's actually backwards. So it's the latest time going back to the earliest time instead of, instead of the opposite way. So I'm gonna start at the bottom and work my way up to the top. And so you can see at the back door at 2.30. So she, so the back door is through the garage from my understanding. She opens the back door, which is the garage door. Then at 2.30, it's set to close. So meaning the door closes. Now she is detected in the living room. She goes down to the basement at 2.31. She goes back up to the living room in 2.32 and then goes to the back door, opens the back door, closes the back door. And then six minutes later at 2.38, the door is back open and the back door is closed at the same time. And what's interesting is it is all in the same minute. So it doesn't mean that somebody else closed the door. It could have just been she had it open and then closed or whatever, or came back through the living room and closed the door. Then she's back in the living room at 2.38, goes down to the basement, and three minutes later, back up to the living room, and a minute later, she's still in that living room area, goes back two minutes later down to the basement, three minutes later, she is still in that living room. It's still detecting it. And then three minutes later, she's shown back onto uh, the living motion detector. She goes back in the basement at 2.49. She comes back up at, at 
two, and then the back door opens at the same time, at the same moment or same minute, I should say, and then the back door is closed. Now here's where I'm a little confused because it does show that the basement motion detector is set to motion at 2.52. I don't see where the door would be open or going through the living room. So I'm not sure what happened there. If, um, if that's where they're getting, maybe Gannon was there or maybe it was deleted. I'm not sure. So it does say the basement motion detector is set to motion at 2.52. And then it says the living motion detector is set to motion at 2.55. And the basement, so she goes back into the basement at 2.56. So she's quite the busy beaver on this. And I can see how one may think that there's two people because there's no way. But really, in a minute, you can do a lot in a minute. And I don't have an ADT system but I do have Vivint and you can do a lot in a minute so she's basically going up and down and up and down and up and down I wonder if she has her Apple watch on kind of like you know in the CW case all right so we're just gonna move on if I need to I'll do a deep dive into that so now we're just gonna do that recap from previous um, Lena comes home around 3 15 p.m. Lena said in the interview that when she got home Tisha said that Gannon was asleep in her bed and that she could not see him. Tisha said, go outside to play. And the detective submits that Lena was outside because Gannon was likely dead and Letitia was cleaning up blood from inside the home. Number 46, Al sends Gannon another text saying, uh, hey buddy, at 3.55 p.m., but it wasn't read until 7.40, and which is 45 minutes after Gannon is reported a runaway by Tisha. Now, this is the third Hey Buddy that Gannon receives on this day. So I'm just noting that. Number 47, Harley arrives home at 4.42 p.m. and picks up Lena and they go to the dollar store. That'll be in a future video all about that shenanigans. Now, number 49, the detective says, investigators do not believe that Harley was present when Gannon was killed. Harley was at work on January 27, 2020 from 8.30 to 16.15 hours, and investigators were able to verify this with her employer. Number 50, to be clear, investigators have not located any evidence that any person other than Lena and Letitia had access to Gannon between approximately 10 hours and 17.34 hours on January 27th, 2020. So a little recap on that. Number 49, Harley was working from 8.30 to 4.15 p.m and was verified by her employer and wasn't there all day until she came home at 4.42 p.m. And then it was reiterated that Letitia had access to Gannon from 10 until 5.34 p.m. on January 27th and a short time from Lena, if any, in my opinion. Here is where I'm gonna give you the scoop on where things have altered my opinion or maybe kept my opinion the same and that I don't believe he was home that afternoon. And it's hard for me to say this because this is from a detective. So don't get me wrong, but I just want to bring it to light because it's bothering me. So first I'll read the first part, then it'll come to light, okay? Number 178. On a February 17, 2020 call at or about 1353 hours, Letitia told a female believed to be associated with Laura Abernathy that she was thinking about flying out to Colorado to take a lie detector test to prove her innocence. 
During that call, she stated, they think I'm still in Colorado. Number 179, on another February 17, 2020 call, at or about 1611 hours, Letitia told an unknown female that she is going to take a lie detector test, but the test is not admissible in court and no law enforcement would be present. And then there's a title that says, Letitia attempted to obtain fake polygraph results. 180. On a February 18, 2020 call, at or about 10.14 hours, Letitia called 321-247-6876. I conducted research on that phone number and learned it was associated with fakepolygraph.com. During that call, Letitia stated that she never got a confirmation for a test she paid for. Letitia provided the spelling of her name and before disconnecting the call, the unknown male stated he would resend her the results to her email. Number 181, I viewed the website fakepolygraph.com and found the following information. So in 181, it had a screenshot of the actual website, super hard to read. And I'm just going to skip through that and go to 182 right now. 182. Also on February 18th, 2020, at or about 11.16 hours, Letitia again called 321-247-6876. During this call, Letitia inquired about an email she received. The unknown male stated that her report was blocked by management based on the content of the questions and stated that with any illegal activity, they reserve the right to not send the report. Letitia's response was the following. Letitia says, what do you do now? Just delete it and go on about life and keep the money? And the mail at fakepolygraph.com says, yes, we do indeed. And Letitia says, okay, I gotcha. Thank you. Goodbye. And 183 says, investigators contacted Luke Devlin utilizing the phone number 321-247-6876 that Letitia called. Mr. Devlin provided information to investigators, including the questions and answers that Letitia had provided. And I bet you're wondering, what questions she asked, right? This is hugely important, like I said earlier, on why I believe she must have killed him earlier and did not come home with him that afternoon. Here's what the questions are. Number 184, Letitia provided the following questions and the answers that were supposed to be truthful to fakepolygraph.com. A. Do you intend to answer these questions regarding your stepson truthfully? Yes. B. Is your birthday August 4th, 1983? Yes. C. Did you participate in any way in causing harm to your stepson? No. D. Did your stepson return with you to your home? Yes. E. Did you participate in any way in causing the death of your stepson? No. Number 185, I submit to the court that if Letitia had nothing to hide, she would not have to pay for fake polygraph results. Absolutely. She went over above and beyond to go submit the questions she needed to submit because she wouldn't be able to get those right in a real polygraph, right? Okay, so now I'll read the opposite of that fake polygraph and what the actual truth is and why she had to add these questions, right? So this is gonna be the opposite of what the fake polygraph is. And it's actually the truth. So here we go. Do you intend to answer these questions regarding your stepson truthfully? No. Did you participate in any way in causing harm to your stepson? Yes. Did your stepson return with you to your home? No. 
Did you participate in any way in causing the death of your stepson? Yes. You see? So if these questions is what she needed to fake, it's because she wasn't able to tell the truth in a real one. So if she did, in fact, take Gannon home that afternoon at 2.20 p.m., why the heck would she submit that question to fake polygraph did your stepson return with you to your home and have to have yes? Because she didn't come home with Gannon. This is what really, 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 really bothers me. Because like I said, I believe that Gannon did not come home that afternoon. Roderick believes that Gannon did not come home that day according to his surveillance and audio potentially. And many of you do probably feel the same way. Maybe you're mixed now. Why leave your phone at home if there was nothing going to happen between those hours? And it even said it was suspicious that she did that. Why is there two hours unaccounted for? Why is there no mention of Al's truck having GPS or anything of the sort? Nothing. All that was said was that Al's truck was checked and there was no evidence of blood. That's it. If Gannon wasn't dead yet, why would she be doing a search on Gannon's phone at 1.43 p.m. asking if the phone can be located? Now, Gannon's bedroom has evidence everywhere. Does something happen to him? Absolutely. It's obvious. It's shown in this report, 100%. There's blood splatter. There's blood stains. There's evidence it was cleaned up. There's different sheets even. And again, I'll do this in another video. The blood spatter is consistent of someone either being shot, stabbed, or using blunt force as per a professional and what their opinion is. And on 111 in the affidavit, it says the Blue Star reagent was applied to Gannon's bedroom, the hallway leading to the utility room from his bedroom, the utility room itself, the staircase and landing leading upstairs from the utility room, the pathway to the garage from the stairs and the garage itself. In all of these areas, investigators found positive results for the likely presence of blood. And on 116, it says, investigators have requested but have not received a report from Tom Griffin, who is an International Association for Identification, a certified senior crime scene analyst, a bloodstain pattern analyst, and a crime scene reconstructionist. Mr. Griffin examined the blood spatter on Gannon's walls. Mr. Griffin preliminarily reported that the stains on the walls are consistent with one or more blood splatter producing events, which could include gunshot, blunt force, or a stabbing. Mr. Griffin did not believe the blood stains were aspirated blood, primarily due to the lack of air bubbles in the stains. Furthermore, the shape of the stains were affected by the surface texture of the drywall itself. The final report from Mr. Griffin has not been yet received and is pending a peer review. So clearly something atrocious happened in that bedroom, but could it be from the night before? Could it be from earlier that morning? Roderick Drayton said that he looked sluggish and like he was drugged. We heard the video the night before on the 26th that he was bleeding and that something went on of the accidental leaked video from Tisha. Could something have happened again in that night and he bled a lot and in the morning she takes him out and that's why he was so sluggish. He just didn't die, but he lost a lot of blood.
that fake polygraph is important in that one single question that she needed to fake. She had those two hours unaccounted for and she traveled all the way to Petco just to be up north. Those two hours unaccounted for, I think that she still went to Douglas County and that's where he was first and then the next night she went back and retrieved him. She even said that she was going to Castle Rock to look for a bicycle. She offered that information. It's there. And in her statements, there's little nuggets of truth, right? She left her phone conveniently all day that day. Now, back a little bit to that night before when that bleeding video came out and around midnight, Tisha actually did some searches. And it says, my son burned the carpet, how do I fix it? That was at 12.09 a.m. And that was shortly after from what we believe and what we all believe was the video that was leaked was around that 10 or 11 p.m. just based on what was playing on the news. And so it says, my son burned the carpet, how do I fix it? Was one of the Google searches. Will humidifier help if exposed to smoke? Smoke effects, will humidifier help? And that was all in the space of 45 minutes. At 12.09, she did the search for burning the carpet and then there was a 30 minute gap and then she came back about the humidifier talking. So that's just a little tidbit that maybe something happened then and who knows if it was in the early morning that she did that to Gannon and he came out, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to piece this together and it's, it's very, very difficult. And I'm gonna reiterate, how could he die at home in the afternoon and Tisha keep him for 30 hours and then dump him the night after? That just to me does not make sense. I don't, this is really tough. So I'm gonna take a few days obviously and dive more into it. And of course, I'm sure we can have a chat. So let's chit chat below about this. I am so sorry you guys have to read this and I am so sorry that the family has to go through this because it's absolutely horrific. Unfortunately, this is just the tip of the iceberg in my opinion. And if Tisha wants an apology, Tisha, I am so sorry you didn't look in the mirror at yourself and do this to yourself instead of Gannon. Let's have a chit chat below and we can talk about this more and let me know your thoughts. Am I missing something? Is there something in here that, uh, that I'm not getting? Because for me, in my opinion, and how many hours I've put into this and research, something doesn't seem right. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Hit the like button and hit the share button. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon.